0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The woman of Canaan in our Gospel today is one of two Gentiles in the Gospels whose faith Jesus calls great. The other is a centurion that we meet in the 8th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, which was our Gospel for the fourth Sunday after Epiphany. Their great faith consisted of the fact that they acknowledged that Jesus was Lord and Messiah of Israel. They acknowledged who he was in as much as they understood it, and they believed that he had the power to do whatever he said he would do. So they came to him knowing who he was and believing in his power. We can better understand the story of the woman of Canaan in our Gospel today by looking at its context in the 15th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. In Matthew chapter 15, just before our Gospel, Jesus had had an argument with the Pharisees. The Pharisees had criticized the disciples of Jesus because they did not wash their hands before they ate. Now this was not merely a sanitary concern. They were not of the cleanliness is next to godliness school of religion. Rather, ritual washing had become part of their religious tradition. And so to fail to observe this ritual washing was to risk becoming unclean in the manner that the Gentiles were unclean. In response, Jesus taught that what makes a person clean or unclean is a matter of the motives and intentions of the heart. Consequently, what goes into the mouth is not as important as what comes out of the mouth as Jesus explained in Matthew chapter 15 to his disciples. Quote, Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. This conflict with the Pharisees and these words from Jesus are what immediately precede our gospel, the story of his encounter with the woman of Canaan, and the two are connected in Matthew's uh, gospel. The Pharisees were seen as righteous, but they opposed Jesus. The woman of Canaan was seen as a Gentile dog, but she put her faith in Jesus. What came out of the mouth of the Pharisees was criticism of Jesus, which reflected their lack of faith in him. What came out of the mouth of the woman of Canaan was a confession that Jesus is Lord and words of faith and words of trust. So, in the context of the words of Jesus, who is clean and who is unclean? The gospel thus provides an illustration of what the tradition calls, quote, justification by faith. As Romans says, quote, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The woman of Canaan was a Gentile. She was outside of God's covenant people. Further, her daughter was experiencing demonic attack, which means that her, or at least implies, that her family was involved in things that were not so good. So, bad background and bad behavior. But she confessed with her mouth that Jesus is the Messiah, and she put her faith and trust in him. Jesus accepted her prayer, which means he accepted her, and he healed her daughter. She was saved by faith. Her words of faith are enshrined in our liturgy, but we see her humility and we raise it a notch. She said that even the dogs were worthy to eat the crumbs, and we say that we're not worthy even of that. makes us downright proud of how humble we are. The point is that the liturgy trains us to approach God with the right attitude, not an attitude of entitlement that seeks a reward for our behavior, but an attitude of faith and trust that acknowledges our sin, but also trusts in God's goodness and believes in the power of God to cleanse us from all sin. The doctrine of justification by faith has been misunderstood and misused, especially in modern times. Some have taught it as a sort of transaction. There is some moment in time when a person came to faith, and based on that moment in time when a person came to faith, the person received a sort of insurance policy that guaranteed against hell and promised heaven, no matter what that person subsequently did. And this error tended to be coupled with a general separation of faith from life. Thus, one could hold one's faith safely in one's heart and mind in a way that separated it from the way a person actually behaved at work, rest, and play. Under the cover of these errors, the woman of Canaan was saved and can now return to life assured that nothing she subsequently did could ever imperil her salvation. These errors are exposed when we shift our analogy from transaction to relationship and communion. To confess Jesus as Lord and to put one's faith in him is to enter into relationship with him, or more specifically, a relationship with the Father through him in the Spirit. And this new relationship will begin a process of growth in which we leave behind progressively our former unclean selves, and take upon ourselves progressively our new identity as children of God. We keep coming back to God with repentance and faith, and he keeps cleansing us and giving us the grace we need to live in a new way. This process of growth is what we continually refer to as the life of prayer. Thus, faith is not a thing we did at some past moment in time. Faith is a growing attitude of trust. Should we ever stop trusting? Should we ever stop coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, have mercy? This would reveal that our former faith was not genuine because it lacked perseverance. We can see... Uh, For for example, here, the parable of the sower and the seed in Luke chapter 8. The person of genuine faith will at times stumble and perhaps even fall, but will always return with repentance and faith. And Christ will continue his work in that person until it is completed on the day of resurrection. This is what it means to be justified by faith. As Jesus said in conclusion to the parable of the sower and the seed, the person of genuine faith, quote, brings forth fruit with patience. The best way for us to apply today's gospel to our own lives is to expand its time frame. The tradition sees the woman of Canaan as an example of perseverance, but in temporal point of fact, she persevered for maybe all the 15 or 30 minutes. But let us assume that each movement in the story corresponds to years in our lives. Thus, we come to Jesus and say, Lord, have mercy on me. We make some request of him. We let him know what we want. In response to our prayer, Jesus is notably silent and we may even get discouraged. The problem is that our prayer in its early stages is a kind of negotiation. We express faith and humility, but we have a pretty good idea of our acceptable terms. We will go so far and no farther in our faith and obedience. Since this is not really faith, it will not get its petition As time passes, we go along and we realize our way is not really working out so well. So our posture changes. We begin to develop a genuine humility. Our prayer changes from negotiation to worship. We fall down flat on our face before Jesus and say simply, help me. But even this will be tested. Is this still a functional humility, another stage in our negotiation with God, designed only to get what we want? Or is this humility a complete surrender to God and his will come what may? That is, will we stay in our posture of worship, even if we don't get what we want when we want it? If we can envision this process, this movement from negotiation to humility to surrender as taking place over periods of five and 10 years and even longer, we will begin to understand the life of prayer. We will begin to experience the power of prayer. For If we will persevere in our faith, we will hear from our Lord. Those beautiful words. Great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as you desire. We will be saved by faith. And by faith God will give us what we really want. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.